Dan Bickley, Vince Morata, Bickley and Morata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Yeah, it felt great for this to be my first time getting to play. You know, something like this every time you do something is new. That's uh, Chris Paul after Wednesday night's game, the game in which he returned from a 14-game absence, missed that time with a heel injury. He was back on the floor, uh, and it wasn't Chris's, Chris Paul's fault that the Suns got blown out. It was no. good to see him back on the floor, uh, but uh, the game didn't go well. But, you know, you got to move on from that loss if you're the Suns. You have to move on from this patch uh, of losing to Dallas in a game that wasn't all that competitive and absolutely getting embarrassed by the Boston Celtics. The road trip starts tonight, and we got to start to talk bigger picture. There was a, a big fear, Tim, that uh, what we saw to end the playoffs was the new reality for Chris Paul and the rest of his contract with the Phoenix Suns. And even though he's just coming back, but through 11 games played this year, there's a noticeable drop-off in what we've seen from Chris Paul, and that is concerning. I'm wondering if he can get back to that, that, that pre 37th birthday, Chris Paul, that, who was still dominating basketball games. God, let me just give you the glass half full on that. Okay. This is a guy that in the building they are going to play in tonight had one of the best playoff games in the of history anybody of, the of all time. Yes. So I know we like to joke about, oh, as soon as he turned 37, he fell off a cliff. I, I believe the man was sick last year, guys. I believe the man was sick. I believe that, too. I I watched the Suns blow the Mavericks with a healthy Chris Paul off the floor for two games Mm -hmm. last year. And then I think his body failed him. Did he have COVID? I don't know. Was he himself? Absolutely not. Okay. So he goes into the offseason. And I always believe, and I believe this about Chris Paul even even the last couple of seasons, I believe that at his age, he's got a family, he's got kids, he's got other stuff going on. Tom Brady talks about this too. Remember his famous line? Mm-hmm. I'm 45 years old. I got a lot of blank going on. Yes. I believe that Chris Paul really approaches the season as an opportunity to get in shape early on. So I think Chris Paul kind of comes into the season and kind of plays himself into shape so he can kind of be a fine-tuned NBA specimen, if you will, mm-hmm. by by around January or February. I don't think he planned on getting hurt with the heel or whatever it was this year, so that kind of derailed that plan a little bit. But I don't think... I'm not ready to say that Chris Paul is a shadow of himself and we need to be worried about that yet. Okay. I'm just not ready to go there yet. I think I I, I think the sickness in the playoff. I, you have to remember what he did against New Orleans to close out that series in yes. Game Six. This was not a 2021 playoff performance. This was like seven days before the Mavericks series fell apart, or however many days it was. I mean, it was right it, there. It was remarkable, but he also hasn't come close to approaching that level of play since. But we're talking it, it, about three games in the Mavericks series, and then he took an, then he took an off-season off, then he came back and he was kind of playing himself back yes. into shape, and he was not shooting the ball. I, I, I know you presented the, the glass-half-full side of it. I don't want to be the glass-half-empty guy. I'll just state facts. And, and you, if you go to what we've seen through 11 games this year, one of the things I think most Suns fans would have, would have agreed upon was, okay, 
maybe it's time to lighten the load on Chris Paul, not rely on him as heavily from a minute standpoint or a field goal attempt standpoint. That certainly is happening. Uh, through 11 games this year, Chris Paul is averaging seven and a half shots per game. That is way down. Uh, last year, he took 11.3 for the season. Through 11 games last year, it was at 10.4. What concerns me more is not the number of shots, but the percentage of those shots that is going in. Now, he's about a 49% field goal shooter. Through 11 games this year, he's shooting 36%. So the points are way down. The assist numbers are still very good. And you see his effect. And even in in, in the game, early in the game against the Celtics on Wednesday, you pointed it out on yesterday's show, Tim. When he went to the bench after that first run of about six or seven minutes, and Cameron Payne, who had played great in his absence, came in, the offense shut down. Completely shut down. They couldn't buy a bucket. For 10 minutes. Yes. The last... Five of the first quarter, the first five of the second quarter, only Devin Booker and Josh Kobe put the ball in the basket. A couple of buckets each. It will be interesting to see how he's utilized tonight with the ball handling, mm-hmm. because we know the Pelicans have that pesky guy that likes to play him full court and wear him out and annoy him. But, you know, when we saw that in the playoffs last year, Chris Paul didn't play in the first game against uh, the Pelicans. I don't believe. I have to double-check that. Maybe I'm speaking out of school here. Um, the, the Suns were ill-equipped to deal with that because Chris Paul was the ball handler. He was the guy that had to bring the ball up, and it did wear him down a bit. Um, the Suns kind of tweaked their strategy. So now you'll see Devin Booker bring the ball up. You'll see uh, Tory Craig bring it up at times. Mikel Bridges initiates the offense a lot. So they're a little bit more equipped to deal with that. Um I, I don't know. I think, you know, we're talking about the Suns putting forth a Suns effort. I think it would go a long way. Maybe not tonight. Maybe it's sometime on this trip. We see one of those vintage games from Chris Paul to make feel people feel a lot better moving forward. He I did would, play in that game. 31 minutes. Oh, he did? Seven points. Okay. So. That game was not uh, Nine assists. not close, if I remember correctly. 124-111. Yeah. But again, if you're worried about the way Chris Paul didn't shoot the ball, Early in the season when he was playing, I don't believe Chris Paul was in the best physical shape he could be okay. in. And that might be the answer to all of this this discussion. And I don't think, and then I think the, the sickness at the end of the Maverick series is a different discussion. And I think the 37-36 birthday swing, to me, while fun to talk about, is irrelevant. I think that was a sickness issue at the end of the Mavericks. Now, listen. I, I wouldn't use the I, word fun to describe that. I, well, <laughs> yeah, hey, it's somewhat as relevant, As soon as he though. turned 37, he couldn't play anymore. The monster- Jared had a joke about selling us, what was it, selling your soul to the devil and it expired on your 37th birthday? Right. <laughs> and that's the way it was. Yeah. I could be wrong. We could be sitting here in March and April and Chris Paul just can't play at a high level anymore. That's no, not. That's, I mean, that's, that's going to happen at some point. I'm just not ready to say that we're there yet. I need to see more. By the way, Tim requested this during the break. Here we go. Alvarado. Why? Why don't you stop being creepy? You've been out riding CP. The whole court now. Erase this from my memory. Oh, it was fresh in Tim's, apparently. 
But if you keep guarding Chris Paul, better watch your lips and ball. Okay, that's not, yeah, yeah. I don't know how I got that one. <laughs> Cut that off there, I don't know. I have all, you I have all. You're yourself back later. I have all Jarrett's music on my iTunes. Oh, <laughs> you're a sick puppy, Tim Ray. <laughs> Suns and Pelicans tonight, 6.30. You can hear it on the Arizona Sports app and 98.7. Coming up next, DeAndre Hopkins has been heavily targeted since his return to the Cardinals. Will he be this week against the Patriots, a team he hasn't had great success against? We'll get into that and more next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings with Tim Ring in for Bick here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Football Friday with Bickley and Murata, presented by 72 Soul. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Check is, I mean, my record is one and something against them, one and four, something like that. Uh, so obviously, I don't really enjoy those matchups too much. <laughs> uh, but he, he, he does a great job of scheming guys like myself. He can be number one receiver, and Belichick's going to do, do a great job of you know, letting you to whatever you did the week before against whatever team. So uh, it's fun. Uh, you know, you have to you have to be very precise playing against uh, the Patriots defense like that. Uh, and you know, you got to make every play count. Uh, those guys. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is right, and that was him, the Arizona Cardinals receiver. He's one in something against New England in his career. It's not one in four. No, so, it's, sorry to sorry to correct you. It is one in seven, counting the playoffs. One and seven. Uh, the one win came in 2019, a 28-22 win for the Texans over the Patriots. I also found it interesting, in those eight games, DeAndre Hopkins has never gone over 78 yards. That's the most he's had in a single game. And the Patriots are the only team that DeAndre Hopkins has played more than four times in his career and hasn't scored a touchdown. Now, in theory, he has never played the Patriots with a number two receiver as good as Hollywood Brown with him. So maybe that could affect the scheming this time. I don't know who was the number two something. receiver. I don't even know. So that's that's got to be the answer. So right? stated as fact without yeah. knowing who those number two <laughs> yeah. receivers were. That's a very Jarrett Carlin point. No, I mean <laughs> whoever it was there in Houston, yeah, not nearly as good. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. Um, it was Andre Johnson. Yeah, he wasn't walking through that door when he was there. Yeah. Uh, Bill Belichick also, uh, in his press availability this week, talked about DeAndre Hopkins. He's got tremendous ball skills. He catches everything. He's great hands. He's long, so he's never covered. Even if he's covered, he's, there's a place where the ball can be that he can get it. and still make the catch. Um, great coordination on the sidelines. Um, and, uh, you know, he's doesn't really look at but he's a but he's a strong kid you know you see him break tackles he's a strong strong kid in terms of creating separation on routes uh yards after contact you know tough yards like around the goal line or you know that extra yard for a first down type of thing you know he's a very he's a smart football player very savvy and um 
with his ball skills are at the at the very elite level. Yeah, and we when we talked to Bob Sosa, he talked about uh, you know some of those younger corners for the Patriots being a little bit exploited by the top receivers, Stephon Diggs, Justin Jefferson, and he said, "Hey, DeAndre Hopkins is in that ballpark. That might be." I hate to go here because I've been burned by it so many times, especially this season by the Cardinals, when you look at an opportunity for this passing game from a a chunk play, deep pass uh, standpoint to get on track, and it just hasn't. Maybe this is the week it happens. Why do you think DeAndre Hopkins has historically struggled against the Patriots? That's not an accident. Well, Bill Bill Belichick Belichick is a genius. He finds out what you want to do, what you do well, how you move the football, how you try to win games, and he takes that away. Mm-hmm. Takes away your favorite thing. He's going to identify DeAndre Hopkins again as Kyler Murray's favorite target, and he's going to try to take him away. Will he have success? I don't know. We'll find out. History says yes. Hopkins even admitted. He goes, yeah, they do stuff against me that that has worked. And they asked Hopkins to elaborate on that, and he said, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell you guys. <laughs> Well, we were talking about the last time these two teams played, the 2020 season, and obviously the Patriots look a lot different. Cam Newton was their quarterback that day. Cardinals lose that game 20-17 to in Foxborough. It was a very damaging loss at the time. It was a very frustrating loss because of what you just said. Bill Belichick's scheme to take away what the Cardinals like to do. In that game, they kind of shut the Cardinals' passing game down. Hopkins had five catches for 55 yards, but a lot of it was of the short variety from Kyler Murray all day long. 23 of 34, 170 uh, yards and a pick. And they couldn't generate enough offense to beat a very poor Patriots offensive team. That's the recipe again for, for the Patriots, whose defense this year might be better than it was in 2020. Outside of those corners who appear to be struggling right now. Patriots defense giving up about 18 points a game. But not bad. Yeah, one of the better defenses in the league in that regard. Cardinals aren't throwing the football down the field anyway this year. Their whole offense is dink and dunk anyway, mm-hmm. even when they're not playing a Bill Belichick defense, obviously. So Hopkins was asked about. It. He's like, "Yeah, they just they 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 take away because they something like they haven't been they have not been fun to play against. They scheme against me. They take away they take away what what I like to do. Yeah. So we can expect more of that on Monday night. But to Jared's point. It's nice that you now have Hollywood Brown and DeAndre Hopkins out there going together. And it sounds like Rondell Moore still popping on the injury report. We'll see what Friday's injury report yields about Rondell Moore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Dorch. What a... Dorch! Uh, we've also talked about Cardinals' mindset for the for the rest of this season. Um, you know, can they can they gear back up after the bye week, knowing at four and eight your your season's pretty much over, except for stat padding and pride. DeAndre Hopkins talked about that uh, that earlier this week as well. What his mindset is for the rest of the year. You know, well, we're not eliminated out the playoffs, so I think everyone knows that. You know, it's, it's every game is, is a playoff game right now for us. It's, it's a must win mentality, and uh, I think you know some guys need that. Uh, obviously, for four wins isn't what we wanted at this point, but still. You know, we have five more. Yeah, we talked about how the Patriots are viewing this, and this is definitely a must-win for them. You know, I respect DeAndre Hopkins treating this as a playoff game, at least verbally. 
No, they've had opportunities in what we called must-win situations yeah. earlier this Hogwash. year, and, and they fell on their face. Hogwash. I don't want to hear it. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to hear must-win. Hogwash. Hogwash, he says. Jeez, Hogwash. Jeez, it's only 8.23 a.m. Let's not break out. The, I mean, seriously, though. I mean, come group. on. Give me a break. I mean, the Seahawks game a month ago yeah. was a must-win. Yeah. And the 49er game was a must-win. Absolutely. Win. Stop talking about must-wins. The Chargers game. Um, last week was as must-win as you could get. Right. Go out there and must-win a game, then. <laughs> God. Yeah, that would be good. Oh, it's a must win. Now it's go. Now, start, I mean, this is, right, starting now. This is must win in the most literal sense because they are one of four teams that can get officially eliminated from the playoffs this week. And that's based solely on if just they lose that. That's correct. It. Okay. Nothing else has to happen if they lose. They are eliminated. There's there's one point for, for this week's game, uh, but Monday night football, Patriots and uh, Cardinals will have full breakdown on uh, Monday's show, and of course full recap on Tuesday morning, coinciding with uh, our holiday heroes event uh, coming up on Tuesday. You can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at six twenty six twenty right now. Coming up next, we'll talk Suns basketball with our insider from Arizona Sports, Kellen Olson, joins us next. Bickley and Murata mornings with Tim Ring in for Bick on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Strumming my pain with his fingers, singing my life with his words. Killing me softly. This theme song applied to our next guest recently. Dan doesn't like it. Pulling out the hits. Good gold. When, when Dan's away, Jarrett will play. Yep. Tim Ring in for big today. We'll talk Suns basketball right now with our insider from Arizona Sports, Kellen Olson, who joins us on the Arizona Sports Line. Kellen, how are you today, sir? Hey, what's up? Glad to be here. Just really excited to be on the show. And, uh, yeah, I was waiting for the bit. You set it up really well there. Jarrett usually elevates the song to a preposterous level when the drop comes in so yeah. someone gets interrupted and I don't know if it just happened there. I couldn't really tell, but it did. shenanigans when Dan is away. Is yeah, always. Kellen, I, I, the, the the song being played at preposterous levels, I mean, that's probably more tied to Jared's board work skills. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what people expect like to see Jared look at. Do they expect like Homer Simpson working at the nuclear power plant? <laughs> is that what they picture when Jared is working the board? Why, he's some brutish oaf in Sector 7G. <laughs> There you go. You All got right. the reference. Suns uh, heading on the road now to take on New Orleans today and uh, on Sunday. And look, the last two samples we've had from the Phoenix Suns have not been all that encouraging. And, you know, after all the success they've had the last two years, when you have a stretch like this, it concerns some people. Where are you on that concern scale right now with the Suns, Kellen? I, I think I'm just... Back to the concern level, if, if I wasn't there from after Game 7, I wouldn't say that it's elevated in any way from then, but it, as I wrote on ArizonaSports.com, it was just a reminder of kind of where we're at with this team, just in terms of wondering if they were going to get over that type of loss, and you can read into these two games and say they didn't get over the loss. You can say that, I don't think you can say they did, obviously, after the way that those two losses went, and one of them being in Dallas specifically, and just how... You were in the arena, Dan. You were right in the same seat you were like me for Game 7 that you were on Wednesday. And, like, the similarities there were, were just crazy. And just the, the way that the team quite honestly quit uh, once they were down 20, 25, 30 points, it's just they completely just, like, fell out of that game. And, yeah. and the way that they got there, too, just, like, pressing and pressing. And then all of a sudden it just seems like they're – 
playing with this like anger and they're just like mad and then that's where he got to like Booker really forcing his shot him fouling a bunch it was just and then, and then they just fell out of the game completely and it just felt like game seven so much that it was a reminder of kind of getting back to the, that type of game in the playoffs on that stage and this one again was a gigantic stage. It wasn't game seven of a playoff series by any means, but it was a primetime game on ESPN that you're the number one team in the West hosting the number one team in the East. It's a huge game. I'm talking to people pregame from the Boston side and just kind of saying, oh, yeah, I can't wait for this one because especially after losses, this team always gets up. And so to see them play like that, uh, I don't think there's any way not to be concerned, but at the same time, I'm, I'm not saying the Suns should make an absolute panic trade right now and uh, try and recircuit things, but I also think that it just kind of re- enforces everything we've been talking about as potential problems with this team for the past couple of months. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and Kelly, when, when Booker feels, and I got the sense, especially late in the first, and some of this was because the bench was in at that point, except for Book, obviously, and they weren't doing a darn thing. So Book was like, all right, I got to try to generate some stuff on my own here. And he wasn't having success getting to the rim. But that all began, too, with Bridges and Aiton just having all kinds of problems, putting the ball in the basket, putting themselves in position to score. They kind of look like spectators out there. I mean, is there anything you can put your finger on with what was going on with those two guys specifically Wednesday night early in that ball game? Because they looked like they were both out to lunch. I think it was just exactly what you outlined, Tim, and I think it just more speaks to how right now DeAndre and Mikel, for as much as they've improved over the last couple of seasons and, and quite honestly have improved this season, like they've been better this year than they were last year, they're still not ready to be that guy who, in a pinch, is the number two option to Devin when they need it. And I think that's the the difficult part about all of this is that one, it's one of those things right now where it's almost by a committee, right? Like, it's like, okay, if Chris doesn't have it this night, then they go to DeAndre. If DeAndre doesn't have it, Mikel can get, get in. If the matchup works for Cam, they can go to – you know what I mean? There's just so many different nights where it changes who, who they're going to go with. And, and that's not the reason why they're not able to do it, but it's just they're not at the stages of their career right now where eight times, nine times, seven times, even even six times out of ten nights, they're going to be able to be that reliable number two option offensively, and that's why they need it to be Chris Paul right now. And with the way that Chris looked to start the year and just how, how he hasn't looked like the point guy yet, we'll see in, a, in another 10 to 15 games right now. It's not fair to look at one game from him coming back from injury against an yeah. opponent like that. And just say, oh yeah, like he's he's not Chris Paul anymore. We need to give him another month here. Yes. But if we look at his play here a month, two months in, and we're approaching that trade deadline, and nothing big has happened yet, that's where you have to seriously wonder. Okay, like should they make a big? Not even wonder. You should probably just think, yeah, they need to make a big time move and try and get that number two option offensively in here if they want to truly try and do everything they possibly can to win a championship this year. And if they don't, and they just kind of want to maintain their flexibility around Devin, DeAndre, Mikel, Cam Johnson, then, then that's what they can do as well. And I, I think it's there's an argument for both sides of that. But I think that's the most interesting thing that could happen here over the next month to six weeks because I think, Tim, you're not going to get blowouts like Wednesday, of course, but you are going to have games like that where we're nine minutes in and it's like, okay, Devin's the only one who's been able to really do anything yeah. here for a couple of possessions and he's going to need to keep doing it. And then that's where, of course, you wonder about him wearing down in playoff series or just like the Dallas series where a team tries to eliminate him from the, the series yes. defensively, does those successfully, and they've got nothing else to do. 
Kellen Olson, our son's insider from Arizona Sports, our guest here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. I want to go back and focus a little bit on Chris Paul, and I think your assessment is correct. It's only 11 games that he's played this year, one game since returning from the injury. So ultimately, it's not fair. But but in real time, and I, I, I we looked at some of his numbers early this year, earlier in today's show, uh, Kellen, and you know the shot attempts being down, I think that's by design. Obviously, the shooting percentage being down is not by design, and we've all had this feeling since watching Chris Paul play every day as Suns point guard. Man, he can get to that spot on the elbow and hit that shot until he's 75 years old, but that's not happening right now. Tim is of the belief that he's not in the greatest physical shape. Uh, Is that your same assessment, or is he slipping? I'm not sure if I'm willing to go there necessarily, but uh, Vince, I've had the great honor of hearing the great Vince Verrata call every every Suns game he's been able to as the PA announcer at Footprint Center. And you have this way when Chris scores his fourth basket in two minutes of just enunciating Chris Paul in this way of like, holy crap, look at this guy, that's Chris Paul. Yeah. But you're just saying Chris you know, Paul is great. It's one of the great things Vinny does. So I'm glad Kellen notices the little things I bring to the job. <laughs> yeah, you know, people need to point it out every now and then. You know, I'm not afraid to schmuck up. Up here every now and then on your own show. I don't care. Usually it's uh, just but, your mother, but your mom and Kellen. That's great. <laughs> Phoenix Suns! <laughs> yeah, there he is. Continue he, he your brilliance, Kellen. He gets paid the big bucks for a reason, but the reason Vince does that is because Chris, you guys looked at the numbers and everything. If he would have had 14 points in the game, Vince, but 10 of those points would have been over a four-minute pocket in the early fourth quarter where he did the Chris Paul thing, took over the game for four minutes and was like, no, you guys aren't going to get this into crunch time. We have control of the game. We're going to win it right now instead of getting it there. Or if the game got to crunch time, he did the Chris Paul thing there. Mm -hmm. Because as much as it matters that he's Chris Paul and he's the guy who makes his fourth straight All-NBA team this year, I feel like I have to keep reminding everyone he's coming up three straight All-NBA seasons. Mm-hmm. As long as he can dominate those little pockets of the game, he's still extremely valuable to this team because that's a skill that almost no one else has in the league. But he hasn't been doing that either. Like yeah. We haven't seen the guy dominate dominate a game or just really bring his scoring for a game, but not even like those little pockets of a game. And once that starts to come back, I think that's when we'll start to be like, okay, He's a point guard still. He's fine. But uh, I'm open to all theories. I, I understand that like physically he doesn't quite look the same. But, again, it was nine games, start of the season a bit, and then the, the injury. So I, I'm not willing to throw too many judgments in right now. Okay. Yeah, but that's, what, that's what I was saying, Kellen. I, just, I think that he had the injury. I think he was sick at the end of the Mavericks series. I think once he plays himself into better physical shape, that jumper is going to come back. And I think by March uh, we're going to see we're going to see vintage Chris Paul. At least I hope. And if we don't, then we don't. Uh, Kellen, I don't want to I don't want to bore people, but I'd like to tap into your X's and O's uh, for a bit here because I think you do it uh, damn near better than anybody else. Uh, but I got to go back to Monday night with Doncic. What are you seeing with the Suns uh, with the defensively? Uh, why do they continue to have problems? Not only defending Doncic, but the trickle down effect with getting out to their shooters. What is going on with their rotations or schematically just the way they're playing the Mavericks because they're letting Luka get his, but they're still letting the other guys get theirs. And it's been a bad recipe uh, really the last four times they've played these guys. What's what's going on or what's not going on? He, he scrambles their brains, Tim, in a way that no one else in the league does. And I would say that he is the toughest cover for them by default just because of the way within their scheme defensively that he seems to throw them off. And what I mean by that is 
Do you guys remember game three and four in Dallas where I believe it was kind of game three where Luka, it, it was one of, either the passing or the scoring for him was, was way too easy. It was just way too easy for the second round of a playoff series given what we've seen from an excellent defensive team, arguably the best defensive team in the league, just how easy it was for him to get to one of those elements of his game. And then we went to the next game and it was the other part. And it was like, no, you guys, you guys just can't be like, okay, you guys can have his playmaking and he can kick it out for 15 assists tonight and they can have 15 open corner threes tonight or no, you can't let him just play one-on-one. It has to be a mix of both. And for whatever reason, like dividing up those parts of his game, the driving, the kicking out and playmaking, and then the scoring of him, like dividing those up like 30, 30, 40, and kind of mixing it in, throwing in a variety of defenses, which they do. They don't just stick to one scheme by any means. But it just seems like they, they're never able to just really – nail him down in specific elements of the game over the course of an entire game. And in that game specifically on Monday, that weak side shooter just kept getting open. They kept dropping low. It was Devin Booker a couple of times. One time he got screened out of the play. Another time he was just a step in the wrong direction. And that's the part that I mentioned where at times he makes them look like a young team that is figuring out how to play defense because we watched those terrible 20 win Sun teams for a while. We learned what bad defense looks like. And what it looks like is a guy is just completely – a step or two in the wrong direction, and then that can just have the entire foundation of a defense fall apart. And and that's what can happen against a player like Luka. He can make one of the best defenses, if not the best defense in the league, look like a 20-win team sometimes, yeah. but the Suns are better than that, and that's how you lose a playoff series entirely to, to just one guy, really. like he, he dominated that series completely. He got a lot of help throughout, of course. It wasn't just him, but the way that he made them just triple and quadruple think of, outthink themselves <laughs> was something to behold, and they've got to figure it out because, look, they could play that guy in the first round or the second round again next year, and if they can't figure it out, then he's just going to do the same thing again, and they know the problem, and maybe that's the biggest problem you're speaking to, Tim, because it's been a couple of games in a row now where it just seems like he gets the better of them every time. Callan, great stuff as always. Thanks so much for joining us today. Have a great weekend. Thanks, guys. You too. Dylan Olson, our son's insider from uh, Arizona Sports. You can read all his stuff. Podcast with Kevin Zimmerman on ArizonaSports.com. He joined us on the Arizona Sports line. Coming up next, if you were able to stick it through and watch all of Thursday Night Football, it paid off in a big way and an unbelievable story. We'll get into that and more NFL hash marks next on this Friday edition of Bickley Murata Mornings with Tim Ringan here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Football Friday with Bickley and Murata. Presented by 72 Sold. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata. Hash marks. Mayfield flings it left side end zone. Caught! Caught! Caught by Van Jefferson! To go 98 yards, that's the first time under two minutes in a game-winning drive that that's happened in 45 seasons, Kevin Demoff just told me. I mean, even when we're clocking it, you're having to explain to Baker, hey, here's our clock mechanics right here. You're underneath the center. This is what the cadence is. And and you can't say enough about Baker Mayfield and the leadership, the resilience, the competitiveness. Um, you know, and, and what a quick study. I mean, he just got here five minutes ago and, and figured out a way to, to be able to do some special things tonight. And there was a lot of plays that we had going in a positive direction that ended up getting called back. Bakes. Just Bakes being Bakes last night in his L.A. Rams debut. And I said it during the tease, and I mean this because I know a lot of people 
uh, in frustration. The Thursday night package on Amazon, by no fault of their own, has been horrible this year for the most part. It's almost a running joke to hear Al Michaels' comments from, from broadcast now complaining. Wow. Uh, about how bad it is. Hey, your decision. <laughs> Check your bank account, Al. You'll feel better. Uh, and last night, you had every opportunity and every reason, quite honestly, to shut that game off because there was just nothing going on. It looked like the Raiders were going to get a win uh, against a very, very bad Rams offense. And then those last two drives happened, and you heard the highlight from, uh, from J.B. Long, the Rams play-by-play voice. That final drive was a thing of beauty, and and Baker Mayfield has been a story since he stepped into the NFL for one reason or another. He was a big story last week when he got released by the Carolina Panthers. He was a story because he got picked up by the Rams, but for him to come in in less than 48 hours as a member of a team and lead that drive in victory, it's... It's one of the more remarkable things I've seen in sports this year. He's the kind of guy that would do that kind of thing. Yeah. He's got that kind of pizzazz, Next if you week, will. he'll throw six interceptions. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, he was, down, he was down by 13. In fact, he was down a baker's dozen, babe. <laughs> hey! Ooh, well done. 8.51, and I still got it on a Friday. Um Total pro. <laughs> he was 0-22 in his career as a starting quarterback when trailing by 13. That's what's so remarkable remarkable, remarkable about this. He still got it, guys. Happens to the best of us. Should have walked out right after the Baker's dozen comment. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, <out>. everybody. <laughs> That's what makes it so three party. See what I did? That was a yeah, callback to earlier in the show. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to derail your point. What the hell were we but talking actually, about? You derailed it first, so yeah. go ahead. Something he about compl- uh, he, he was 15 for 20 in the fourth quarter. That was the most complete, second most completions of any other quarter in his entire career. Yeah, just amazing. So, I mean, and and doing it with uh, a patchwork crew of receivers, too. I mean, Ben Skoranek is his, his, his go to guy. And I know I can't speak ill of a Notre Dame guy. He but played. It, he played most of his career at Northwestern, so I'm going to let it slide. Okay, he's but he's not Cooper Cup. He's not Cooper Cup. Yes, no. um, just an amazing accomplishment. Uh, Mayfield uh, talked about the win afterwards. Got here. Is there something cathartic about winning like that? Not just winning, but winning in a big way like that. Yeah, um, I don't know if you can write it any better than that. Obviously, we'd like to be a little bit more stress free, but. Um, it's a pretty damn good story. I'll be honest with you. So it's uh, it's special. Uh, they're making the TV. I think the rights for the TV movie have already been sold. And was was that our friend Jordan? Uh, that's why I included the question, question in yeah. there. Yeah, because uh, go was. Jordan making new friends with Baker Mayfield, uh, a quarterback who has not had a storybook season. In his first year in Denver is Russell Wilson. It's been a storybook season. Grim! (laughs) Uh, Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos offense has been abysmal. He's got eight touchdown passes. We're in week 14 right now for a guy who got a $240-plus million contract extension from the Broncos. And they didn't need to give it to him. They didn't. They've got Kansas City this week at home, so you would expect the struggles to continue. We talk to Mark Schlereth every week on this show, and he's based in Denver, and he's a proud former Bronco, so he's got a lot of thoughts on the way things are going. And he was one of those guys early in the season, Tim, that was very pro Russell Wilson. Uh, you know, if Denver fans were doubters, uh, ah, what has he got left? He wasn't very good last year. Mark Schlereth was very much in favor of that move. 
um, and he's completely soured on it, as have a lot of people. Bart Scott, uh, national radio host from ESPN, talked about what Russell Wilson, in totality this year, is doing to his image. Russell Wilson was supposed to be Patrick Mahomes. He came into the league, won a Super Bowl, and now he's going to become the forgotten quarterback because he was supposed to be the bridge from Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and be that next great young star. He's been surpassed by Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Herbert, and right now, Tua Tunga Valoa. Like, and he has to account for that. You know, I mean, his legacy is forever damaged, and I thought he was a Hall of Famer before. Man, how what great of a coach is Pete Curl? Because he's doing miracles with Geno Smith. Yeah, it's uh, it, it is amazing to see how much he has struggled in in an offense that that is not in Seattle. I know it's a new offense with a new coach in Nathaniel Hackett, who's I don't think going to be there much longer. He just he doesn't even look like the same guy. Uh, that's the thing, though. If you're going to praise Pete Carroll for getting the most out of Russell Wilson, you must acknowledge what a terrible, unqualified head coach can also do or not do for Russell Wilson Mm -hmm. in Denver. This is a guy that has no business being an NFL head coach. He's going to be one and done. They are awful. There are three wins. I mean, I think it's by a combined 12 points. He was brought in because he was Rogers' buddy. That was the only qualification he had to be an NFL head coach. We're going to hire you, so maybe Aaron Rodgers will come here. And he failed at that too. <laughs> that wouldn't. Have, I don't know if that would have worked out either. And now you have new you you have new ownership there. They're going to make a change. That is a football crazed city. But, they are not going to put up with this. Can they make a quarterback change though? That is, you want to talk about a heavy, heavy financial burden? No, but hear me out. If you get a different head coach, much like Pete Carroll found success with Russell Wilson, maybe maybe a new coach and a new system and a new way of operating there can get a little more out of Russell Wilson. They have no choice. No, much they like really our, don't. much like our situation here. Many feel there are similarities. Many feel the quarterback here needs a new voice. Maybe yes. if Russell Wilson had somebody running the show a little more competent, fair. Maybe he could be a better quarterback too. Or just wait a couple of years and they'll release him and he'll go to the Colts. Russell Wilson <laughs> when he's truly washed up. <laughs> Rock and Roll Hall of Famers, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, are heading to State Farm Stadium on May fourteenth with the Strokes. Tickets go on sale today at 10 o'clock, but you can win a pair of tickets right now by heading to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com. Coming up next, Sarah's back in the fold to take us through some social studies, and we will do it here on uh, Bickley and Murata Mornings. Do it. Tim Ring in. Do it. On Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.